Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. Um, first of all, in the United States today uh, is Mother's Day, the day where we celebrate um, the woman who gave birth to us. Um, and so, you know, in, in, in that vein, um, I would like to wish to all the mothers out there, wherever you may be, in the United States or elsewhere, um, I, I would like to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, mothers are such an incredibly important uh, part of life. And I, I understand, you know, unfortunately not everyone, you know, has a fantastic uh, relationship with their mother. I mean, I, I happen to. I have a very good relationship with my mother. Uh, she's an absolutely wonderful woman. Um, you know, she uh, sometimes is a little, you know, a little out there on things. But then again, aren't we all? Um, you know, but the bottom line is I just wanted to give a quick shout out about that. Also, birthday today, I found out, of of Paul Hewson, who you um, know better as Bono from U2, uh, one of the greatest rock groups that's ever been created. Um, you know, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. You can be wrong about things, and uh, I'll still like you. And I love all of you guys, but uh, yeah, U2 is just, um, I mean, some of their songs, many of their songs, some of their albums are just ridiculously good, and uh, I've always been a very big U2 fan. And so uh, I just wanted to say happy birthday. And if you need any uh, any help out there, Bono, uh, uh, you know, collaborating on music or something, uh, hit me up, DM me on Instagram or something. I'm down with it, believe me. So today I wanted to bring up a topic that I've, I find myself having to explain to people again and again because it keeps going up. And before you are like, you know, I, I'm going to say it, and then before you click like, okay, stop listening here, just hear me out. I'm going to talk about the American electoral process. Now, okay, so probably a bunch of people have been like, oh, man, yeah, no, I'm going to go watch paint dry. But really, this is an extremely important thing to talk about, and there are a couple of reasons for it. Number one, most people have no freaking clue how it actually works, even in the United States, okay? Um, number two... It's, an, it's a problematic system, and I'm going to explain why it's a problematic system in, the few, in a few minutes, um, and, and maybe make some suggestions, maybe make some suggestions of, you know, how we could get around dealing with this, but in order to do that, we have to go back to the beginning, okay? You know, just like Pazzini uh, always said in The Princess Bride, you know, go back to the beginning, so, in the early days of the United States, um, after the country came to being, there was the original form of government was dictated by things called the Articles of Confederation. Uh, the Articles of Confederation essentially treated each state as its own uh, sovereign entity, meaning that each state was kind of like a mini country that all had alliances with one another to form the greater country of, you know, the, the, the coalition called the United States of America. And the problem was, though, that the Articles of Confederation 
uh, were not doing well. You had issues of states being able to put their own money out. You had conflict about what's going to happen with the military. And so after a while of flailing about the states, and again, I'm, I'm giving you guys the Reader's Digest version here. This is a quick version. If you want to know more about it, you know, I'm, I'm happy to talk more. Let me know. Uh, you can also go online and read up a lot of stuff about it. Be careful what you read because, uh, I, you know, when I've done research on this, you know, you get people with the Constitution. It's very funny. Certain states, certain states, I'm sorry, certain sites try and present things a little differently. They have a little bias about what the Constitution means. And it's important. I mean, it's fine if you understand the Constitution, if you're knowledgeable about the Constitution, and I, you know, I'm. I'm no constitutional scholar. I don't pretend to be from that level. But as an historian, I'm, I'm fairly familiar with the Constitution, okay? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like with the Bible. Can I quote you, you know, uh, can I quote chapter, verse, and book? Um, I might not be able to do that, but I do know a lot about it. I can, I can give you a lot of quotes from it. And the Constitution, I'm the same way. You know, I might not know exactly, like, oh, this is, you know, amendment, you know, so-and-so, and, you know, uh, clause this and that of, you know, but I know the Constitution. So anyway, I'm sorry, I was, I was going off a little bit about that. Um, but what happened is, the, the bottom line is there was this Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, which should be the capital of the United States. Um, unfortunately, it's not, uh, because of, um, you know, unfortunately, there were people in a particular part of the country that did not want the capital to be in a northern state, okay? So anyway, the bottom line, though, is that the, the original intention of this was just to kind of get together and be like, all right, look, we have to make some changes to the Articles of Confederation. And as they started going through it, they started making changes and then more changes. I mean, you know, they they didn't make it clear yet, but it was like they started talking about it and eventually they were like, dude, let's let's just let's just revamp this thing completely. Um and what they ended up coming out with would become the Constitution. Okay, the US Constitution. And it was a tremendous, tremendous undertaking. You had people you had people that were genuinely aggravated. They were like, well, you know, what what's going on here? Okay? Like we didn't come here to create a new system of government. We came in here to to tweak certain things. You know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And then you had other people that were like, look, no, this is a failing thing. You know, the biggest debate came down to the issue of federalism. The idea of the federal government having power. And the recognition that really we needed a stronger federal government in order to have things work. Uh, it didn't mean the states would lose their powers, okay? They retained a, a tremendous amount of powers, but there was a genuine understanding that you needed to give more power to the central government, the federal government. Now, that power has grown over the last 200 plus years, uh, leaps and bounds, um, you know, in, in some cases in a good way, in some cases not in a good way. But the bottom line is that here's where I'm going to get around to talking about the, the electoral system. Okay, so the big debate was over representation, okay? So what happened was uh, the Virginia put forward a plan. Virginia at the time 
uh, you know, without question, one of the largest states in, in the country population-wise at, the, at that time. And Virginia put forward a plan that said, listen, we're going to have, you know, um, th- these two houses that are going to be proportional to the population. And then New Jersey came out and said, you know, ein Minuten bitte, you know, uh, one moment, please, yeah, this is a little Eddie Izzard stuff. And New Jersey came out and was like, no, because New Jersey was one of the smaller states. I mean, still the greatest state that there was and ever has been. But, you know, smaller population was like, no, no, no. We're going to have equal representation. Okay. And there's this whole big debate about it. You know, what are we going to do? You know, the larger states are like, this is not fair. The North was like, you know, well, you have slaves in the South. And why is that? You know, this and that and the other thing. So what eventually happened <clears throat> was that uh, it, Connecticut came out with a plan. Uh, Roger Sherman and Oliver Ellsworth, they came out in Connecticut with this plan. Okay, look, here's what we're going to do. You ready, guys? We're going to have two separate, quote, houses, a bicameral legislation, which is not nearly as sexy as it sounds. So you would have one house, the Senate, which would be equal representation. Every state, no matter the population, gets two senators. And you would have the House of Representatives, which would be elected on the basis of a proportion, the population. So states that had more people would have more people in the House. But no matter how many people you had, you would always have an equal representation in the Senate. Now, the Electoral College in America, America has a very funny system of voting. It's not direct democracy. And to be honest, let's get this out of the way. It was never intended to be. Okay, The concerns the Founding Fathers had were that people... For the most part, and my students will know this one, people are stupid. Um, I say that with with all genuine humility. Uh, But they were worried that people could be easily swayed to elect someone who was not of good character or, you know, someone who was a demagogue promising this and that. So what happened was the, the, the founding fathers of the country... And it's always founding fathers, never founding mothers. Amazing. Uh, but they, they created a system called the Electoral College. So in the United States, here's how things work. In November, for a presidential, this is, by the way, a presidential election. In November, I go out in New Jersey and I cast my vote for whoever I want to cast my vote for, for the presidency. Then what happens is when they count up all the votes in New Jersey, New Jersey has a certain number of electoral votes. And the electoral votes are based on you get two for the two senators, so everyone has the two, but then you also get however many representatives you have. Okay? So, for example, a state like Montana or Wyoming, which have very you know low populations... They have three electoral votes because they only have everyone gets at least one representative. Um, you know, even if you have a very low population, you're guaranteed at least one representative. So two senators, one two senators, one representative. 
So what happens is that New Jersey will decide, okay, uh, so-and-so won the election, so uh, the popular vote in our state. So then what happens is that political party gets to select people to go and cast their votes for their candidate, okay? So what I mean by this is the following. So if New Jersey has 15 electoral votes, so let's say in November, just for argument's sake, right now it's a, you know, it's going to be Biden versus Trump. New Jersey, you know, usually goes Democrat, and I do believe it's going to go that way again. So what will happen is New Jersey will go, and if, if Biden wins the popular vote in New Jersey, then the Democrats will send 15 people to vote uh, in December to vote for Joe Biden for the presidency. It's a, it's a little tricky, I, I understand, and especially if you're one of my beloved listeners, uh, you know, from another country, you might be like, well, this, is, this seems convoluted. It is convoluted. Um, <clears throat> the thing is that because it's also pretty much a zero-sum game, only two states right now, uh, Maine and Nebraska, allow the electoral votes to split. So, for example, you could, it creates some really wacky situations. Now, and let me explain how. So, let's say in New Jersey, Joe Biden won by 10 votes. He gets all 15 electoral votes from New Jersey. It's not proportional. They don't care that, uh, you know, uh, half of the state voted for Trump, let's say doesn't matter. It's, you know, winner takes all. Um, And that creates some situations where, for example, you only, in in the American presidential elections, you have to win 271 electoral votes in order to win the election. You can do that, and I know that with the new census out, things are going to change, but right now, I believe it's 12 states. If you win the top 12 states... And let's say you only win each state by, by five votes or ten votes. The other 38 states could vote 99% against you. Doesn't matter. You're president. Okay? That's problematic. And, I mean, aside from the obvious stuff, is it's just like, look, the whole point is that Elections in a democracy, which I never do, not a democracy, we're a republic. Uh, no, okay, but the bottom line is this do you have popular voting? D- then you have democratic institutions here, okay? Uh, but the issue is that democracies or republics, whatever, they are supposed to be governments which represent the will of the people. Now, if you're an oligarchy, if you're a kleptocracy, if you're authoritarian, whatever. You know, then you don't really care about what the people want. It's what you want, okay? You might pretend to be representing the people, but it doesn't really matter. What matters is what the powers in charge want. But the whole point of allowing voting is that the people themselves get to have a say in who's in charge, okay? And, you know, in the United States, we've had five elections. I believe it's five. I was looking this up the other day just to, to, to do my background, uh, you know, my homework here, we have five elections where someone has won the popular vote and lost 
the presidential election. In fact, we've had um, two in the last uh, uh, five elections. In 2000, George W. Bush won the election, lost the popular vote. And of course, in 2016, uh, Donald Trump won the election, lost the popular vote. And so it starts to look like, you know, well, if, if someone's losing popular votes but winning the presidency, does that really mean that that's the will of the people? Now, on the other hand, people can criticize that and be like, well, you know what? Do you want it to just be mob rule? You want to just be like, well, listen, you know, the, the big states are going to make their decisions. The states with people in them are going to make their decisions, and that's going to be that. And I, and I get that. I understand how that can be an issue because then, you know, you don't want people to be like, well, then why would anyone even bother going to campaign in, in smaller states? But here's my counterargument to that. The states that have the largest populations tend to be the states that are the most uh, economically significant to the country. And so they're basically putting, they're, they're driving the engine of the economy, Okay. Now, smaller states, they're not going to be left out. They have the Senate. You know, they have their two people. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous the amount of power you could have if you, if you took... And again, I'm not, I'm not saying this to criticize this. I'm saying it because I know that some of these states have low populations. You could take like Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana, um, and, uh, uh, you know, North Dakota and South Dakota. So that's five. There are 10 senators there. Now, then you take New York, New Jersey, California, Texas, and Pennsylvania or Massachusetts. 10 senators there. It's ridiculously disproportionate, the amount of power that some of the smaller states have. But, again, that was something that was, you know, was put in because the idea was that they didn't want small states to end up getting simply trampled on. Uh, but things have changed over time, okay? Things have changed over time, and one of the main issues is that now, um, I think it was, it was Virginia originally had something like 12 times the population of, um, uh, was it the smallest state at the time? Let's say Rhode Island. Probably not. I feel bad, Rhode Island. But the bottom line is that they, they had uh, 12 times the population. California right now has something like 66 times the population of the, the smallest state by population in the United States. Uh, and, and yet still is being held back by the fact that this other state that you know, can come out there and be like, oh, we've got just as much to say as you do in the Senate. And what you're seeing is that, again... When you look at the proportions, you're going to have... Uh, it was uh, one of my friends and I were talking the other day, and he brought up, he was like, you know, do you know that it's it's something like... Um, something like 70% of the Senate is going to be run by 25% of the population. That's a problem, okay? I don't care how many different ways you want to look at it, you can't have this very small percentage of Americans, this very small population, having a complete say. And the Senate's extremely powerful. The Senate, you know, I mean, it's, it's popularly elected now. It wasn't for many years. It used to be that you know, guys were nominated 
uh, by, by the legislature and, and put in there. But it's popular elected now. <clears throat> but it's just like, you know, you're getting to this point now where you're like, uh, you know, I mean, y- these are people that have say over Supreme Court justice confirmations, um, you know, bills that come up through the House, you know, have to go through the Senate. Uh, it's really, it's it's problematic. I will say this. For me, now I happen to be from New Jersey, and those of you who know, know the deal. Uh, and, you know, New Jersey is a populous state, but it's that's not the most populous state. It's not anywhere close. You know, we're the most densely populated state, you know, and certainly the most awesome state. That's, I, mean, I don't even have to say that. I will just because I like saying it. To remind everyone else that, you know, we're this awesome. But the issue is that, you know, should you have states, again, um, if, if you were to just look at, like, the East Coast here, um, the, the Northeast, and you look at stuff from Massachusetts on down to New York, you know, and, and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and down through Virginia, you know, I, 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 I didn't mention Rhode Island, Connecticut, and uh, Maryland. I'm sorry. You guys get a mention. But those states are ridiculously powerful economically. And yet they have no more say in the Senate than do you know, a couple of states where, I mean, there, there are bigger economies in certain cities probably in, in New Jersey than, uh, you know, in some of these states. And California, California right now, if California was a country, California would have the fifth largest economy in the world. Okay, and yet California can want to do something economically, and two states that have you know there there are cities that have almost as many people as uh, these states can come out there and be like, yeah, no, that's not what's going to happen. And like I said, when when it's when you're looking at things for the presidency, and this has nothing to do with political party affiliation. I'm not saying that it's like, well, this is a Democrat or a Republican thing. What I'm saying is that, you know, you've got the Electoral College right now is creating a situation where certain states have inordinately more impact than other states. And we we have to work on that because you, you shouldn't be able to lose the popular vote and then win the presidency. Uh, I know people can say, well, look, you know, so what do you want to do? Just give, you know, a couple of states all that power. And it's like, well, to be honest, you know, again, it, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks. But I mean, in, in terms of it sucks for some of these states would be like, well, you know, we just don't have that many people. But you don't have that many people living in your state for a reason, probably. Okay. And I'm not saying that in a negative sense. I mean, listen, you know, if you want to talk about beauty, I mean, go out to the American West. It is states like Montana, Wyoming, stunning vistas, okay? Absolutely beautiful. Colorado, Colorado is one of my favorite states. I love Colorado, okay? Love Colorado. Absolutely gorgeous. One of my best friends in the entire world lives out there. I went to visit him, and we were, like, literally, um, you know, and he's in Denver, and we were there, and it's like out of his front yard. And you're looking, you see the Rockies, the majestic Rocky Mountains, snow-capped peaks. Oh, this is ridiculous, you know. But 
Colorado also. This is Denver and Boulder, a couple of great universities. Of course, the U.S. Air Force Academy out there. There are reasons people move out there, okay? And so, you know, Colorado is gaining in some, you know, some population. Uh, and they have a say. But that's the thing is it's, you know, we, we have to get something. That, you know, we can't just keep having this. I mean, <clears throat> from the polls I've been reading, and again, uh, you know, polls are... Yeah, we we know how accurate polls were based on the 2016 election, but you could be looking at a situation because I've been studying a lot of different states where there's a possibility. You know, like if you really had a situation where, let's say, Joe Biden ended up with 70 million votes and Donald Trump ended up with you know 63 million votes, okay, and won the election, is that really a fair representation? Now, I would say the same thing on the other hand, okay? Uh, you know, it's it's not an issue of Republican versus Democrat. It's an issue of, you know, how can we have this? How can we have it where we're, st- and we're starting to see them more often. Like I said, you know, we've had in the, from 2000, okay? In 2004, Bush did win the popular vote. And, you know, 2008, 2012, uh, Obama won the popular vote, but then 2016, uh, Trump lost the popular vote. So that's from 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016. Five elections, twice, 40% of the time, the person who lost the popular vote won the election. And, you know, what if that continues down the line and it starts getting to a point where it's like, well, listen, you know, it's just going to be where, you know, the the popular vote goes overwhelmingly. What if it was an overwhelming number? What if it was like 10 million votes, 12 million votes, and that person who, who won by more than 12 million votes didn't win the election? We have to do something about this, okay? I know people are very hesitant to deal with changing um, the Constitution, and rightly so, because it was meant to be difficult to change. They didn't want people coming in willy-nilly and just being like, all right, screw it, let's just, you know, change that. But at the end of the day, you know, there are ways to change it. To quote the great comedian Jim Jeffries, you know, yeah, you could change it. It's called an amendment, you know. Um, he was talking about the Second Amendment. It was like, yeah, you can't change the Second Amendment. Yeah, you can. It's called an amendment. Um, <clears throat> that's my point is that we have to really look at this and we have to look at making things more equitable for the American people is going forward, you know, the, the, the centers of power might be moving out, might be diffusing, might be going to other states. But it's, you have to give people this feeling that their votes really matter because, you know, you're going to get to a point where, you know, you, you could have some states be like, well, what does it really matter here? Because... You, we're going to vote overwhelmingly for this person, and a lot of us are going to do this, and a bunch of states are. But again, you, you could win 12 states and not win 38. And again, if you didn't know any better, and if you didn't know about the American political system at all, you're from another country, and you came over and said, well, how'd the last election go? And I said, well, the candidate A won 38 states, and candidate B won 12 states. And you'd be like, oh, what a landslide. And I'd be like, yeah, the guy who won 12 states won the election. He or she's the president. They'd be like, what are you you talking about? How can you have it that way? But we do, okay? We do. So 
Um, and that, that's my thing about the, the Electoral College and trying to explain how the system works right here. Uh, there have been some potential solutions. For example, some people have said that they think, that, you know, certain states have banded together and like, listen, whatever, whoever wins the national popular vote, that's who we're going to vote for. We're going to put our electoral votes there. Because technically, states can determine how they want the electoral votes cast. Okay. Again, the tradition that's been adhered to is that whatever candidate wins the popular vote, the state allows that political party to go and send the people to vote. Um, I don't know if that would be the best thing. Um, I, I don't simply because... I, I mean, the, the, the idea of, you know, whatever the national thing is, because then you're, you're kind of discounting the fact that, well, what if in state X, um, you know, the Republican won 70% of the vote, but the Democrat won the popular over the country, so that state sent Democrats representing 30% of the country, uh, 30% of the state to go out there and vote. And you, it can be the opposite way just as easily with the Democrats. So I don't know about that because then it's basically telling people from the state, like, listen, your vote does partially count, but not really. Um, the, one of the other ways they've talked about would be um, proportional, meaning that, you know, it would be like, well, if a Democrat's won, if there were 10 electoral votes in a state and Democrats won 60% of the vote, you know, they could get six out of the ten electoral votes would go to Democrats, and the other four would go to the Republican candidate. Um, I, 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 that's an interesting idea. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering how that would. I, I honestly, I've got to be honest, and again, this is just me being very, very uh, analytical about things. I think that would that would hurt Democrats because I think that, like in a state like California. I mean, Democrats, you, you know, usually do win California, uh, you know, it's 50-some electoral votes, and they get all of them. They win by, you know, usually a, a fair amount of popular vote. But if you were to say, like, even if they won 70% of the popular vote, if you were to take 30% and hand it to Republicans, you know, that would, that would hurt the Democrats. It would hurt them badly, Okay. Because they would lose those 30%, and that's a lot of electoral votes. And you turn around and be like, well, you know what, Ashitino, that's the way it goes. Uh, I agree, but, you know, the problem is the Democrats never agree to that. Just like, you know, Republicans will never agree to certain things. Democrats won't agree. You have to come up with something. But my challenge to America's political leaders right now, and I hope you're listening to me. I hope when I see, uh, you know, that I'm being listened to in states near and far in, in this country is that some of you guys listening are political leaders or, or the wives or husbands of political leaders. You know what? We, we've got to get this thing changed because it's becoming problematic and people are going to start getting really pissed off about the fact that they feel that their voices are not being heard. And so um, I'm totally open. I'm, you know, with school right now, I don't have to worry about going in. So if you need to talk to me about it, please, by all means, you know, uh, give me give me a ring. You know, Speaker Pelosi, you know, Jari Leader McConnell, all of you guys. If you're listening, let me know about it, and uh, I'm I'm very happy. We can FaceTime. We can do whatever. You know, we'll 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 get this thing taken care of. 
one way or another. So anyway, that was in 30 minutes, um, American uh, political stuff, political history of our voting. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I do. Um, And like I always tell you guys, um, any questions, comments, please feel free to fire away at me. Um, You know, let me know. Let me know. What would you like to hear? What would you, you know, would you prefer me to talk about? Um, anyway, so I hope everyone's staying safe with this, you know, coronavirus uh, still ripping through places. Um, it's, you know, you, you got to be careful, people. You got to be careful. Please err on the side of caution. Everyone wants to get back out there. I want to get back out there. I want to go do things again. But I also want to live. And... I want the people in my family to live, and I want my friends to live, so I'm taking my time about this stuff. Anyway, uh, I hope you're all well, doing well, and I will talk to you guys again and gals next week. Uh, we'll have some new stuff to talk about, hopefully uh, entertaining as always. Until then, be safe, be smart, and uh, take care. Bye-bye.